This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Amen. Again, like I said, this is our family life class. Um, we have embarked on the teaching topic of premarital class over these past a uh, few months here, and, and uh, Minister Stenson kicked it off, and then Minister Hill came behind her, <clears throat> and then I'm dealing with my part around intimacy and the devastation of illicit sex. And so there were some statements that I made last time, and I guess I'll just open up with that as well, just to kind of bring some continuity to where we are on this morning. <clears throat> Again, I made a statement around, you know, in our American culture, in today's society, when it comes to sexual relations outside of marriage covenant, it is accepted for dating and courting. But always understand this is not the standard of God. Right? So again, even though America and society and in our culture we have it, it they have a statement around sex and, <clears throat> and it's acceptable when it comes to the dating and courting process, but that's, that's not God's standard. And as believers, we must maintain God's standard. Right, And this standard must be in our hearts. And here's the thing as believers. We must agree to hold on to the truth. Right, That sex outside of marriage is wrong. And it's not only wrong in God's eyes, but it's wrong for us as well. And I believe that's where the, the rubber meets the road, as they say. Right, it's, We may understand, okay, God's standard as believers. We may understand it's wrong. But for believers, some, some kind of way, or some, somehow we justify our sexual activity. Right? Again, I'm talking about outside the marriage covenant. So again, sex outside of marriage, it is sin. And in the Christian community, it's even commonplace that, that <clears throat> it's even expected I'm dating according in relationships amongst Christians. Because we have not made God's standard our standard in our heart. So from the previous teachings, we've learned about the marriage covenant. Again, I mentioned about Minister Stenson. She brought forth the purpose of marriage and to show forth God's love and to raise a godly seed. We define what is marriage. And I'll just go over that definition because I didn't talk about that last week. I'll make sure I state it this week. Is marriage is an institution created by God whereby two rational, free, moral agents, a man and a woman, who are born again, choose to enter into covenant relationship with one another, with an imperfect person for a lifetime. I mean, I think that is very, very excellent definition of marriage. Because, again, those things speak to how we should prepare our hearts when you say you want to enter into marriage. It's an institution created by God. And to me, it stops right there. So that means everything that, that we do when we come to marriage, everything we're talking about for pre-marriage, we're talking about God's standard. Marriage is not our standard. Even, even dating according, you learned these things in, in the teachings before. Dating according, based on kingdom relationships, it's not our standard. In our dating and courting relationships. And we learned that in dating. We learned when Minister Hill talked about biblical dating. Right? Kingdom relationships. Dating versus courting. See, go back and hear these messages. Right? I'm going to tell you, if you listen to it one time, and especially you listen to it live, and you hadn't go back and heard it, you missed a whole lot. And by this time, I'm going to tell you, some of those messages are gone. Right? Go back. Refresh yourself with these things. This is how you can have God's standard in your heart. Where it becomes your standard, as well as not just, oh, that's just God talking. No, that's your standard as well. 
And so for this teaching, the question we're going to answer is, what is intimacy? And we spent a lot of time last week on that, and we'll continue on that on this, on this Sunday morning. And then in Dayton, Corden, why can't we have sex? And then the next question we'll answer, what is God's standard pertaining to sexual relationships? And then what is the devastation of illicit sex? All right, so what is intimacy? And we define intimacy as sharing or expressing in words what is in your heart. That is private and personal. It is exposing your heart. That's being intimate. Intimacy is not sex. Right? Get that. We're going to be intimate tonight, so we're going to have sex. No. Intimacy is not sex. It is when you share and express things that are private and personal from your heart. Because in your heart are your pains, your hurts, your desires, your issues. And we looked at that in Proverbs chapter 4. But out of the heart are the issues of life. So when you start sharing your issues with someone, that's being intimate. When you start sharing your desires, that's being intimate. It's from your heart. And intimacy is developed over time. The more time you spend exposing your heart, the more intimate you will become. That's why God says, talk to him. That's why in dating, that's why when you're intimate in dating, that's how come it leads to a sexual intercourse. Because you are continually spending time with this person. You're continually exposing your heart to them. And again, those things will lead to you having sex. See, that means your choice of words are powerful. It's impactful, right? The words you use when you're dating in court, choose wisely. You know, we can throw around words around, I love you, and, 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 and you know, I love him. And, you know, it, these things mean something. Because it touches our heart. Right? Because when you speak words, and I said this last time, when you speak words, it invokes uh, someone's imaginations. Right? And then when you have your imaginations invoked, right? You know your imagination can run wild. Your imagination will lead to your fantasies. And I'm going to tell you like this. We all have fantasies. Right? You have fantasies. And so once words are spoken, someone that you're dating in court, and they say the words in, in, in context, all of a sudden your, your, your imagination is slow, and then it leads to your fantasies. You start thinking of all kinds of things. And then when you have your fantasies, your fantasies will appeal to your lust. And that's how I come next thing you know, you are entangled, right? Entangled into a sexual relationship. Because your lust has now taken over. It's not love. It's lust. But it all started with you exposing your heart to that individual. Intimacy and dating. Right? And so let's, let's start here in Proverbs chapter 6. We'll pick up with that verse. Proverbs chapter 6. Because intimacy and dating leads to you giving your heart over to the one you are sharing with. And once you give your heart over to them... They will have influence over you. Why? Because when it comes to intimacy, like I said before, when you're intimate with someone, it builds a closeness, a familiarity with that person. You start feeling comfortable with, that, with them. You start feeling secure and safe around them. You feel like they understand you, that they get you. That's part of building intimacy. When you start exposing your heart to someone, I mean, you're giving over influence. And then you feel comfortable with them. So I'm telling you, that's why, and we, and we saw these examples. We, we went through these examples before in the previous teaching. We looked at Amnon and, and how he exposed what was in his heart 
to Jonadab, his friend, how he was vexed with, with his sister. He exposed it. And once that happened, he, his, Jonadab, his friend, told him how to get what he wanted. We saw this with Samson. Over and over again, Samson exposed his heart to Delilah. He lingered with Delilah. Exposed his heart to her. When it got to a point where he actually showed her, she said, you don't love me. You're playing games with me. And then when she said, oh, she knew he, he exposed his whole heart. He told me all that was in his heart. That was intimate. Then here come the Philistines are upon you, Samson. See, it builds over time. You expose your heart being intimate. And then we saw with Ruth. And I love the example with Ruth because Ruth exposed her heart to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Your God is my God. Where you go, I shall go. Your people are my people. I mean, she exposed her heart. I'm going to be with you. And when Ruth, uh, when Naomi saw that Ruth had exposed her heart, she, she said, okay. And the other girl, Oprah, she, she, she exposed her heart too. Like, I'm going back to my native land. See, that's intimate. Because now once you expose your heart, it, it, it becomes a familiarity with that person, a closeness to that person. Again, you give that person influence over you. So that's why it's so important in dating, in courting. Don't give your heart over to someone you're not in covenant with. Your heart. Don't give your heart over to someone you're not in covenant with. Because once you give your heart over to them, they will use it against you. What I mean by they will use it against you, they will use it to get what they want. All right, Proverbs chapter 6, starting at verse number 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Now, this passage here is amazing. Every time you read these things for me, it's just hard to just continue on. I'm sorry. I just have to. It's amazing what's being said here. He says, my son, keep thy father's commandment. It's very clear. Your children need to keep their father's commandment. And then it says, forsake not the law of thy mother. What is the law of thy mother? And then the father gives commandments. And he said, you need to keep the commandment of your father. But don't forsake the law of, of, of your mother. The law of your mother is how you govern your life. Your mother, your mother's amazing. Your mother's just following the guidance of her, of her husband, of, uh, me and your father. They're working in tandem. The father and mother are working in tandem when it comes to raising children. Right? So the father gives the commandments and then the mother comes and shows, okay, here's the law that you need to govern your life by. Here's the standard that goes along with the commandments from your father. And as a child... Again, you a grown child, whatever. Don't, when I say child, don't, don't think about age. Some of the, you grown folks, you still you still your mom and, and your daddy's child. Some of them still call you their baby, your grown tail. But you're still a child. Don't forsake this law. The law of your mother should govern your life. The law is a standard. That means when you start dealing with situations in dating and courting, don't forsake the standard that your parents have given you in your dating and courting relationship. That's what it's saying there. Don't forsake it. Because it's amazing to me. Once you see this, when people, when, when you know, I'm saying young adults. Because I, you know, I, I remember when I was a young adult. I'm an older adult now. But I remember when I was a younger adult. When it came to dating, hey, <clears throat> I didn't want to hear my mother and father's counsel. I thought I had it all figured out. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I, I, I know what this relationship is about. Yeah, I, I'm not thinking about daddy's counsel. Because, you know, daddy, y'all old. Y'all old married folks. 
You know, this is a new thing. It's our time. It's fresh now, Dad. And Dad says, yeah, it's fresh now, boy, but it's going to get old later. And then you realize the choice that you made. And you can't go back. So that means I, gotta, I have to remember, forsake not the law of my mother, the, the counsel that she has given me, the standard that's op- upheld based on my father's commandments. Parents, we say this to you, right? I, I, and again, I, I don't know. I, I need to move on. But parents, father and mother, be on one accord when it comes to your children. Especially in this area around dating and courting. Well, you know about being one accord? Right, fathers, they look at their daughters, and I'm just using an example. Fathers look at their daughters and see what they have on, and, and, and the father says, babe, you need, to, you need to change what you got on. And then here come mama behind him and say, no, what she got on, is, it's okay, it's appropriate. Fathers know what's, what's inappropriate attire. They said, girl, you're you showing too much. You shouldn't walk around where I can see your cleavage. Right, mother's just happy she got a cleavage. Right? Father's like, no. That skirt is too short. Those pants are too tight. And mother's like, well, you know, hey, my, my, my little daughter's now become a little blossom. You know, she don't feel silly. See, fathers and mothers, you need to be on one accord. Because what happens is she'll start not even going to her father. She'll go right to her mom. And we can use that in, like when it comes to makeup. I'm going to tell you, daughters, go ask your, your, your father about the makeup you're putting on. See, understand this. The makeup, the makeup should enhance your beauty. So you know what that means? We talk about, you know what that means, right? If you, if you validate your daughter, she should already know she's beautiful. It ain't like i got to put makeup on to become beautiful. Baby, you're already beautiful. Without the makeup... You are beautiful. And fathers need to, need to validate their, their daughters in that. You are a beautiful lady. You don't need makeup on to make you beautiful. The, the makeup is just enhancing your beauty. It's bringing it out so it can be even seen more. You are already beautiful. It's not the makeup. It is you. Right? And so their mother's like, well, you know, hey, my, you, know you need to do this. You need to do that. And again, the mother's like, you don't know nothing about makeup, but I know about beauty. I know beauty when I see it. I know when it's too much. And I know what it represents. Yeah, I don't know all the cosmetics and all the things, you know, shelf full of all the cosmetics. I, no, but I, bring it here. Let me show it. Let me see what she has on. A father needs to examine his daughter. You need to see these things. And again, I'm I using the example of the father and, and, the, and the, the daughter. The same thing with the sons. I'm telling you, the same comments, when, especially when it comes to dating and courting. Your sons come and they and they got they bring this girl. That's why it's good to bring you the whoever you're dating court. Bring it home. Bring them home. Bring them home. Let your parents examine whoever you're dating in court. And again, they may not sit in front of that individual, but they're gonna tell you about it later. And you know, I'm gonna tell you, mothers, when it comes, ain't nothing like a mother and their son. I'm telling you, that's that's a unique relationship. Mothers and their sons. And I'm going to tell you, that, that girl come there and mama like, what is that you just brought in my house? That thing there? No. Baby, that is not for you. But mom, you didn't even... Uh, no. She's not for you. But you don't even... No. You know, mothers just can tell. 
Fathers can too. But see, if you're on one accord, you're not, the father and mother not going back and forth with each other saying, oh, what, you know, they're arguing about the person you're bringing home dating in court while you're caught up in your activities. Be on one accord. Right? Be on one accord. Listen to the counsel of your parents when it comes to dating in court. My son, keep thy father's commandment. Forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thy heart and tie them about thy neck. I, you know, these things, I, I just, God is just so good. You know, I, and I'll say this from, I, I'll use myself for an example. I, I never forget this when it came to my mother. Right? There, there was a female I remember dating. And I remember bringing this female home. And my mama said, don't never bring that girl back to my house. Never. You, you know what? And I, and I, it's amazing to me because for me, I thought she was, you know, I thought I was doing pretty good. Mom was like, oh, never bring her back. And here's the thing about, this is the thing about my mother. My mother's not going to explain nothing to you. My mother wasn't going to sit there and, and tell you why not to bring that female back to her house. She's going to say, that is not for, she said, that girl is not for you. That girl is trouble. Leave that girl alone. And I don't know what she saw on that girl, but what she guess what? Her counsel was right. She may have been right for somebody else, but for me, she wasn't right. And see, that's the thing you have to understand in the dating and courting phase, right? They may be right for somebody else, but your parents know what's right for you. They have the best interest for you. See, that's what happens to girls like, what you trying to say? I'm not good enough for your child? No. You're not good enough for my child. You may be good enough for somebody else's child. And when I, when I talk about I'm talking about my child. And see, that hurts when people say that. Oh, y'all think y'all up. Y'all think y'all too good. No, when it comes to my child, no, you're not. That's the parent's counsel. Hear that. Understand that. Boy, that's just, that's just hard. I'm a parent. I'm looking out the best interest for my child. Again, not saying you may not be good enough for somebody else's child. That got nothing to do with me. But for my child, no. And so my mother's like, that girl, no. Right? But, you know, when it came to my wife, and I didn't go there, right? She, she loved her, right? I'm like, it's amazing to me. I was dating my wife in high school. I mean, I need to move on. <laughs> I was dating my wife in high school. My, my mother... Love my wife. She's like, you need to bring that girl around more often. I'm like, really? It's amazing to me. I'm like, mom, how you how you know this? Yeah, she, you know, you need to bring her around more often. You know, you got a whole different swagger when she around. I'm like, it's, it's your parents know you. Said so that that girl's good for you. That's a sweet girl. That that. Bring her around more often. You can invite her to, you know, for, for dinner on Sunday. You know, bring her around. But, you know, for us, and I, I'm glad, thank God I wouldn't like it. You know, we never want the, the you know, the, the choice that our parents make for us. We don't even want to choose that. I thank God I listened to my, my parents' counsel. Because my wife, she was, the, she was the right one. Like, listen, you got the right one, baby. I got the right one. Thank God to receive that counsel. Let me move on. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. 
For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs and instruction are the way of life. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of a tongue of a strange woman. It says, lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorous woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. And so we spent a lot of time last week talking about the flattery of the words of this, of this strange woman. We talked a lot about looking into their eyelids. Talked about getting this horse woman, how, you, how it would bring man to a piece of bread. Again, the crumb, the crumb, the crust of the bread. That's what it's going to bring you to. And, it's, and again, the whole point, how can I avoid this? It said that in verse, verse 20, right? You have to keep the, the commandments of your father. You have to forsake not the law of that mother. If not, you will fall into the hands of the strange woman. Now, here's the thing, and I'm going to say this, and I said this last time, and, and make sure this is clear. The goal of this teaching, the goal of this whole message around intimacy, around sex, around devastation of listed sex, the whole goal is about restoration, not condemnation. This message is here to restore you, not to condemn you. Because here's the thing God is saying, right? Who should you be intimate with? Intimacy is not wrong. You need to share and open up your heart to who? To God. And so the goal of this is for you to be restored. In order to be restored, you've got to be intimate with God. Look at this in Mark chapter 12. Mark 12, verse number 30. Mark 12 and 30 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. Get this. Who should I love then? I should love the Lord thy God with all my heart. That means all my heart is towards the Lord. All my soul, my mentality, things I'm thinking. My, it's, it's my soul, all of it is towards the Lord. My mind, my, what I'm thinking of, my strength is towards God. See, that's intimacy. That means... I should be talking to God about my issues that are in my heart, things that are private, things that are personal. I need to talk to God. Things that are painful to me, those are my issues. I should talk to God about that, those things that are in my heart. Be intimate with God. See, intimacy is communion with God. And intimacy with God will keep you from the strange woman. It will keep you from the flattery of her tongue. From her lips. It will keep you, because I'm intimate with God. I'm telling you, God has my heart. That strength, whatever she says, will move me. Because I'm intimate with God. I love the Lord God with all my heart. And I have to stay, I have to, you know, that's the thing we said about intimacy. It's, it's developed over time. That means I've got to continue to be intimate with God. Because as life goes on, there's different pains and hurts that I have. And I have to bring that up to God. It's not a one time thing. You know, that's why we talk about prayer. We, you know, prayer is a constant communication with God. It's not that I'm praying this time, I'm praying that. You know, we have certain times that we set aside to pray and we think we're doing something. No, it's like I'm, I'm constantly being in communion with God. My communication with God is constant. That's me being intimate. If my heart is towards the Lord, I'm always talking to God. I'm intimate with Him. And I have to build on that. The Bible says, with my whole heart, I have sought Thee. Let me not wander from Thy commandments. 
you know, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. See, my, my, my relationship is with God. My intimacy is with God. And when it comes to dating and courting, you have to realize that you have to stay there where you have to build your intimacy with God. But if you have not, then you have allowed the strange woman to pull you away. And now it's time for you to be restored. Now look at this in John chapter 8. We're going to talk about restoration this morning. From those that are that, that have been caught up in sex outside of marriage. And I'm saying those that have been caught up out of sex outside of marriage, you know who you are. And I'm going to tell you this. God, the timing of God is always perfect. Everything is beautiful in His timing. Why do you think we're having these conversations now? Because it's time for you to be restored. John chapter 8, starting at verse number 1. It says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman has, was taken in adultery in the very act. This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So here we are. And Minister Martin, you know, beautifully started bringing these things up on, on Wednesday night as well in the same passage. But here we are. We see that this woman was taken from in the very act of adultery. And this is, think about this, right? God is speaking to you now who are in the very act of, of having sex outside of marriage. Now, understand, because adultery is a, is a particular sex outside of marriage, but adultery is still sex outside of marriage. Because well, don't call it, well, I'm not doing adultery, but you're still having sex outside of marriage. That's what we're dealing with. Because in our mind, well, I'm not worse as adultery. I'm not having sex with somebody that is married. And I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm not, that's not my spouse. But you're still having sex outside of the marriage covenant. God is dealing with you about this. It's time to be restored from this. And so when, when they came and said, the Moses and the law commanded us that she should be stoned, what sayest thou? Look at this in Leviticus 20. We're going to see what the law says. Leviticus 20. Because they got legal with the Lord about this. Leviticus 20, chapter 10. I mean, Leviticus 20, chapter, chapter, verse 10. Leviticus 20, verse 10. It says, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. So the law here states God's word that the man and the woman that's committing adultery should be put to death. The adulterer and the adulteress. And it's interesting when it talks about adultery, right? Because you have a man that's having sex with another man's wife. 
That means that wife, I mean, that woman belongs to the other man. But somebody else is having sex with her. That's adultery. But it's still sex outside of marriage. And this woman was caught in the very act. That means she was having sex. In this case, it sounds like she was a married woman. And it doesn't say whether the man was married or not. Matter of fact, it doesn't even deal with the man, what his, his status was. We just know that he wasn't married to this woman. And he was having sex with her. And they brought this before Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you this. It's amazing. They brought this before Jesus to really accuse him. But I'm, I love about God. God is always ready to redeem and restore you. And that's why it's been brought to your attention now in these times. God is ready to restore you from your sexual activity outside of marriage. God is speaking to you. Not to condemn you. Again, to restore you. Let me tell you what God is saying to you. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Stop your sexual escapades and build your intimacy with Him. You've got to come out from among them. Alright, so we're going to get into this. Let's get into the, what is the restoration process. Starting at verse 6, it says, This they said, tempting Him. That, I might have, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even until the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. So here's the first step of being intimate. Being intimate with God, I mean the restoration process. You've got to get along with the Lord. Notice what happened here. I love how God, I love how Jesus did this. He got away with all her, her accusers were gone. It, it, came, it came down, it was, a, you know, it was a whole group of them. Now it's just Jesus and this woman. That's how God is dealing with you. It's just you and God. And we're going to deal with your sexual activities. That's outside of marriage. It's just you and God. So now this woman is with the Lord Jesus. And then verse 10 he says... And Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman. That means it's just him, Jesus, and this woman. And he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Jesus called those that brought this woman to, to him as her accusers. What is an accuser? Accuser is somebody that brings charges against you to condemn you. So that means the first way I can be restored from my sexual activities outside of marriage, I need to get away from the accusers. Now, an accusers can be a church. The accusers can be some family. People that are coming to condemn you, you got to get away from them. They're not trying to restore you. They keep telling you things that you already know. Why are you talking? They already know. It's Why are you telling them? You're not trying to restore them. But if you want to be restored, you've got to get away from the accusers. The accusers are there to keep you in bondage. 
They want you to receive a punishment. And I like, that's why the Lord dealt with them. Like, okay, if you want them to receive the punishment, you cast the first stone that you that have not sinned. But you've got to get away from your accusers. That's part of the restoration process. You're still hanging around the accusers. You're still hearing, hearing them punishing you over and over and over again. Here's the thing about sin. The punishment is already built into the sin. Let me say it differently. The consequences are already built into the sin you're doing. You don't need the accusers to bring up the punishment for you. It's already in the sin. The wages of sin is death. That means there's something in your life that's going to die. That, that is, that's the gospel. That is the way it is. So there's no need to bring these things up. We need to bring you to a place where you can stop sinning so you can get restored. But those that are in this very act, he said, woman, where are thine accusers? Have no man condemned you. Stop giving these men the right to condemn you. You got to get away from the accusers. Get away from them. And then he says, have no man condemned you. Right? No man. And here's the thing about the accusers too. Those that even you're involved with, that know your act, they condemn you too. You understand what I mean? You know, it's like, it's amazing how this works. Those that, that, that have seen you before, you know, you have people that you hang around that, that know that you're in these activities. And then once you try to get away from them, they're like, oh, I, I know you ain't trying to walk away from them. They're trying to keep you in bondage. They're reminding you how you used to be. Why are you reminding me of those things? I'm trying to get away from this. I'm trying to get away from sex outside of marriage. Stop trying to pull me in. Because notice what else he, he got her away from too. It's the one she was having sex with. It's so interesting to me. I know we, people spend a lot of time talking about how they didn't bring the man before the Lord. But you know it's amazing. God dealt with her alone. She had to get away from him to be restored. You've got to get away from that person you're having sex with to get restored. Oh, we need to be restored together. No, you're not going to get restored together. That's your fantasy. That Get away from the one you're having sex with. You're not in marriage covenant with them. It's between you and God. Intimacy is me and between you and God. It's me and God. Stop saying, well, I got it. Oh, we need to get, let's go to counseling. No. Get away from them. See, that's the restoration process. You got to get away from your accusers. You got to get away from the one you're having sex with outside of marriage. You got to get away with those that are around you that are, that are trying to pull you back in, telling you how you used to be, your past. Get away from those people. They're all trying to condemn you. That's going to hurt the, the restoration process. It's going to take you longer to be restored. I'm saying people love to condemn you for stuff you've done. Everybody want to be a judge until they're the one being accused. Then they all want mercy. But you've got to get away from them. I'm saying God is speaking to you this morning. It's your choice. Get away from those of you, whoever you're having sex with, get away from them. Get away from them. Stop fellowship. You know what I mean? Get away from them. Stop the fellowship. Stop the texting. Right? Stop going by their house. Stop letting them come by your house. Stop riding in the car with them. Get away from them. And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to say nothing to them. Just get away from them. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I need to be restored. 
I can't be around you in your presence because all it is is going to a fear of things in my heart. Again, the back to the strange woman. It's going to deal with my heart because all you got to do is say one. You, all you got to do is say something that reminds me of our activities, and it'll pull me back in again. You're going to try to appeal to my lust. I got to get away from you. See, stop thinking you're mature enough to handle this. You're not. If you're mature enough to handle this, you wouldn't be caught up in sex outside of marriage. You're not mature enough to handle this. You have to get away. So I can just, you know, I can, I can put fire to my bosom and not get burned. No, that's scripture. You cannot take fire to your bosom without getting burned. You got to get away from the fire. Come away from the fire. Come away from the heat. Pull away from that woman or that man that you're having sex with outside of marriage. So he said, woman, where are those thine accusers? Those that are trying to condemn you. She, and he said, Hath no man condemned thee? And then she said, and it's the first time you hear the woman talk. She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. But well, why is this so powerful? Because God is telling you, He's not condemning you. See, you've got to realize this. God is not after you to condemn you. God is here to restore you. But I'm having sex outside of marriage. Yeah, God knows. Pull away from those accusers. Pull away from the woman you're having sex with. Go be intimate with God so you can be restored. He's not there to condemn. I don't know why we think in our mind we're doing stuff outside of the will of God that we shouldn't go to God. That's the time we need to go to God. When you have broken God's command, when you have sinned against God, guess who you need to go to? God. You sinned against Him. And we avoid God. Like, like we can hide from God. How can you avoid God? God's waiting for you to come to Him. To expose your heart to Him. Because God knows what your issue is. He's there to restore you. And he's letting, you, he's letting you know, as le- like Jesus told this woman, God is not condemning you for having sex outside of marriage. I'll say that again. God is not condemning you for having sex outside of marriage. Don't let nobody condemn you. God is not. So why am I going to let an accuser condemn me? Right? It says, therefore, there is no condemnation. Now, for them that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. God is not condemning me. God is saying, you need to be restored. But you need to know that. Go talk to God. He will show you he's not condemning me. And then he said, told her to go. And sin no more. The restoration process. Go and sin no more. When we hear go, sin no more, you heard our pastor say this all the time. Get up. You have to get up. Get up and go forward with God. I love how he said go. In other words, don't keep, you have your head down and you, you can't do anything else. Or you think, oh, it's all over. I'm done. I can't. I'm, I'm never going to be any good anymore. No. Go. Get up. And sin no more. And you notice about this woman, this woman, I, part of the restoration process is called an attribute of humility. You need to be humble when you're being restored. 
This woman did not blame the man for anything. This woman didn't blame her parents. This woman didn't blame anybody for her sexual activity. That's part. I'm going to tell you something. You're not ready to be restored if you're still trying to blame somebody. If you're still holding grudge. You're still saying, well, I would be the situation if the guy hadn't done this. Or I wouldn't be in a situation if, if, you know, if my parents would have did that. Stop it. Stop blaming your parents for your sexual activity. Well, you know, I haven't been right since, you know, my, my mother passed. Or I hadn't been right since my father passed. Or I haven't been right since my grandmother passed. You, know, it's you blame everything for your sexual activity. You know, I'm just, I'm going through my morning phase. So I'm going to have sex with everybody I want. You are silly and ignorant. Sex is not there to comfort you. God is. God is, is all comfort. Not sex. See, that's your lust. You're doing what you want to do. The whole point of saying this, right, you have to be humble. And humility will not cause you to blame anybody for your wrong. This woman never blamed, blamed the man. And I love how Jesus... Does. You know what Jesus in this passage of Scripture too. You know, I love about how Jesus is never here to, to, to try to uh, uh, humiliate you either. You know, we don't even know this woman's name. It's interesting to me. We know a lot of names in the Bible that he dealt with. He never called this woman by name. You don't know who this woman is. You got to do some serious research, Bible scholars, to find out who this woman is. We don't know her by name. Why? Because it's not about that. We're not bringing light to her to bring a shame to her again. Because that's what happens when you have sex outside of marriage. There's shame, shame associated with that. And it should be. You understand you've done wrong. But God is not trying to shame you and expose you in front of everybody. God is not trying to expose you in front of everybody. God wants you to expose yourself to Him. So that He can restore you. But we get in a place where we don't have sex outside of marriage now and we're not humble. We're trying to blame people. We call people, other people by name. We're out on Facebook blasting other people and saying stuff about other guys and all this. All men are this. This guy was that. He did me wrong. No, you had sex with him. That guy, whatever, whatever that guy did doesn't even matter. You had sex with him. Well, he put some in my drink when I drink it. Well, you shouldn't have been out with him. You should have went back to Proverbs 6 and take heed to your parents' counsel when they tell you don't mess with that guy or don't mess with that woman. Leave her alone. Leave him alone. See, it still comes back to you and God. That's what intimacy is all about. It is mono on my one-on-one. I'm being intimate with God. That's how I'm going to be restored. That's the process. I got to get away from those accusers. I got to get away from them I'm having sex with. And I got to get in the presence of God, humble myself, and hear from the Master. For I can be restored. And that restoration is a process, it takes time. Because remember, he said, Go and sin no more. Sin no more. And you know, Jesus never mentioned the man. He never said, leave the guy. What are you doing? Go call. He never said nothing about who she was having sex with. Nothing. Because, you know, we love to hear messages about the other person. Well, God, why are you dealing with me? I, you know, it takes two to tank. Why are you? 
Because God's trying to restore you. You don't want to need to be restored. And you ain't got to go back and tell the guy nothing. Or the woman. You sin no more. But you got to get up. Oh God, I mean, you hear these messages, you have to get up. You can't continue to condemn yourself and your sorrows. For you have sinned against God. Yes, you sinned against God. But God is here to restore you. Get up. Go. And sin no more. That means I got to build a relationship with God. Exactly. I got to be intimate with Him. Amen? And we're going to continue on these things in some more passage scripture because we're going to get to this another incident in the Bible. I tell you, there's a lot of things said around sex in the very act and the people that are having sex and how God deals with them to restore them. We're going to get to this other woman that God talked to her about her sexual activities. He told her that you thirsty. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of you out there are thirsty. That's a cliffhanger for next, next, next week, right? You're thirsty. It's amazing. God was hit back then, right? You're using that little lingo now. She thirsty. You got that right from the Bible. You know, you thirsty. That means you got an appetite that, that cannot be quenched. We're going to talk about that one next time. How to be restored from that. Again, God is a faithful God. God is here to restore you, not to condemn you. Amen? All right, prepare your hearts for our Sunday morning service. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.